0: How are you all doing tonight? There we go. Hey, welcome to service. I'm glad you guys uh, ventured out in the cold and you joined us tonight. You know, there are some people that, uh, well, their dedication to the Lord depends on the temperature and uh, how busy they are. and So it's good to have you guys join us tonight. Uh, If this is your first time at service, let me just quickly introduce myself. My name is Tom Trask. I'm the campus pastor and have been, like, seemingly since the beginning of time, or at least the beginning of your time on Earth, because I've been here 15 years. And so, that is a little while, but I'm glad you guys could join us tonight. Uh, Before we get into things, I do want to just take a moment, and, uh, well, uh, the Molloys are with us tonight. (laughs) It is good to have you guys join us. We love you. We've been praying for you. We're still praying for you, for your family. And it's always good to have you come home and visit us. All right. Cool. Um, You guys have been really blessed over the last few weeks to have some really amazing speakers. I mean, truly, most churches do not get the level of speakers that you all do here in Chi Alpha. And it's been, it's a blessing that the Lord has given to us. I'm gonna be honest with you. I was especially impressed by this little student takeover last week. You know. We had this wonderful speaker named Tia. And she did excellent. I mean, we're talking nah. okay, no one else is here. It's cool. One of the best presidents ever to speak at service, hands down. I can tell you that for a fact. And we had our worship team. They killed it last week. That was great. Everyone came together and worked hard. And I'm I'm not saying this just to praise you, even though I am praising you. I wish every week was student takeover week. I, I do. And not just because it gives me a week off, okay? I believe in you guys. You know, our purpose in Chi Alpha isn't just to provide you with, you know, a show. Our purpose in Chi Alpha is to help you participate in what the Lord is doing to advance His kingdom. And last week, it was an honor to watch our students and our leadership really partner with the Lord to make this thing happen, because guess what? All this stuff doesn't just magically happen every single week. It takes the body of Christ and it takes our students <laughs> stepping up and doing it stuff and to make it happen. And so let me just encourage you. If you are not giving back in this ministry somehow, I'm not saying you have to be a leader. I'm not saying that you have to lead a life group. What I am saying is that the Lord wants you to give in the body that you attend. So that you're not just attending a show, but you are participating in what the Lord's doing. And so if you're not doing it, do it. We have a lot of options in Chi Alpha. Be a part. Talk to your life group leader. Talk to Julie. She'll tell you what to do. She's good at that. So, No amen from Blaze on that one? Oh, he's done. Oh. Yeah, he's smart. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Alright, but let's go ahead and get into things tonight. I remind you, our theme for the year is refresh. Yes, look at the screen if you don't remember. Refresh. And we are pulling this theme from a psalm that David wrote, the 23rd psalm. And tonight we're going to look a little bit more at the third verse of the 23rd psalm. He lets me rest in green meadows. Tonight's message is kind of a follow-up to Tia's message last week. See, last week we learned what the Lord doesn't want us to do. He doesn't want us to worry. Yes. This week we're going to talk about what He does want us to do, and that's rest. I think all of us could agree that rest is an important thing, whether you actually do it or not. To be productive, we need to rest. But as I've learned it, you know, after 15, 17 years total in collegiate ministry, students are not good about resting. One too many times, I've watched my students do these wonderful things called, called an all nighter. Mainly because you all procrastinate a little bit too long and you wait to the last minute, but that's That's none of my business, all right. I watch these students and they stay up all night working. And they pound Red Bull after Red Bull or Monster, whatever of your choice. And they survive. But as the night goes on, your quality of work does drop. You may not realize in the moment, but it's kind of going down. The amount of work that you're doing. gets slower and slower the later it gets. Most of the time, after you pull off an all-nighter, y'all are useless the next day for any other class that you had. And if you're real with yourself, it's probably the not the best quality work that you have ever done. You can get away with that kind of stuff for a little while but you don't want that to be a lifestyle. I mean, there's a ton of research that shows that our best growth and productivity comes out of our rest. And yet, I think a lot of us, we make a couple major mistakes when it comes to rest. First, we don't rest. Tia hit it, the nail on the head last week when she said that We live in a culture that celebrates busyness. We constantly hear people who talk about being busy. They use the word busy as a badge of honor. And I think sometimes they're afraid not to be busy because they're going to be stigmatized as lazy. And so if I can say every single time someone asks me how am I doing, I'm busy. It gives me worth, and it gives me value. And so, first mistake we make with rest, we don't rest. The second mistake that we make as far as rest goes is actually one that I believe is a bigger issue with most Christians today. Either we don't rest, or we don't rest correctly. I know I have said this several times, I need you to hear me once again as I say it tonight. We can rest but not be refreshed. Okay? You know you can do things in your life to rest that will not refresh your soul. We can try to escape the busyness by exchanging our busyness with mindless distractions. Students, 14 hours straight of playing video games will not refresh you. Binging Netflix six hours a night, every night, for seven days, will not refresh you. And it doesn't have to be something evil. You can work out nonstop and still use it as a distraction. And while distractions feel nice in the moment, they don't lead us to the rest that the Lord desires for His sheep. You see, when David penned the words he lets me rest in green meadows, he would have had a specific kind of rest in mind. He was referring to to a sabbath rest. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And on the 7th day, God rested. It's not because God grew tired or weary or that he needed to. Just like everything that God, everything else that God had created, God created rest. And in turn, he models the importance of that rest to you and I. I believe it's very similar to the idea of Jesus getting baptized in water. Jesus never sinned. He had no reason to have to get baptized in water. And yet, he did. He did it to emphasize the need to you and me. And so, you see in Exodus 31... God establishes the Sabbath, a day of rest during the week, and this day of rest reflects what God Himself did at creation. Rest is so important to God that the the consequences for not honoring the Sabbath was uh, how do we say this? A more permanent rest, death you were put to death if you did not take a day of rest. I mean, that's intense. I mean, in your life, I struggle to believe that you will ever have a boss that says, if you come into work today, I'm firing you. That's never going to happen. And yet, we see that anyone who desecrates this rest was to be put to death. And so, that question, this has always bothered me. It's like, Okay, God, that's intense. That's serious. Why are you so strict about the Sabbath? By not honoring the Sabbath, by not resting in the Lord, we are putting ourselves to death anyways when we don't rest in Him, we are sentencing ourselves to an eternal death. Jesus said in John 15, apart from Me, you can do nothing. As I was studying, I found a good quote from uh, Keith Amson. He's the chief of staff for Convoy of Hope. He said that Sabbath is more than taking a break from work it declares the presence of God in our willingness to humbly lie down to submit the thing that Julie and Angela talked about. Even when it doesn't make sense. Students, the best version of ourselves is rooted in and found in the presence of God. To live more abundantly. And that happens... By resting in Jesus. We're gonna talk more about rest tonight, but I do want to take just a minute to examine these green meadows or pastures that David is referring to in this verse. Um let, let me kind of make something clear to you. I think a lot of times we when we hear these verses, we kind of imagine this lush green hillside with little tiny sheep, you know, they're all cuddly and stuff, eating bunch of green grass and stuff that is true but you need to understand that green meadows don't just happen the land around bethlehem where david was a shepherd it was dry and rocky and a lot of times the lack of rain causes the little bit of vegetation it did have to wither and die you need to understand that the shepherd would spend a lot of time preparing the ground for the sheep. He would clear the rocks. He would plow the soil. He would plant the seeds. He would irrigate the land. And then, when the grass did begin to grow, he had to care for it and watch it so that it would provide when he brought the sheep. The shepherd takes a dry and barren land and makes it green. Jesus, our good shepherd, goes before us. And He takes our dry and weary lives and prepares a green meadow for us. He does this for you and me. These things don't just happen, folks. These moments of refreshing they're not luck. They're not chance. There is only a shepherd who makes these moments of rest possible. And I think it's more of just a fact we don't deserve it. We aren't entitled to pastors. Our sin, our pride, our arrogance... It, In those things, we only deserve a rocky, dry soil that we find in the desert and the wilderness. But we have a shepherd who loves us. Who wants us to excel and to thrive. To have that full and abundant life. He goes before us. He clears the land. He prepares it for you and I so that we can have a rest that will quench our souls in a life that uh, is sometimes rough and dry. See, that's why it's so important to rest in the moments that Jesus provides for us in the pasture. And I can tell you one thing for sure as I was studying God made something very clear to me. Jesus is not looking for us to build our own green meadows. We can't build that place of rest because it's already been built for us. That's the shepherd's role. We're just the sheep. Our job is to rest in the places that the Shepherd has created for us. And yet many times I find myself working. Working, working, working. Working to try to build a meadow for myself. Working, trying to get rest for my soul. And yet I come up empty. It. If you ever... There's a good person in the Bible who kind of exemplifies this. It's uh, King Solomon. You ever get a chance, go read Ecclesiastes. I kind of like to call them the bummer uh, Proverbs. I had a staff person one time that told me the Ecclesiastes were her favorite was her favorite book of the Bible. She was a little on the negative side, anyway, so that did not surprise me. You're looking in Ecclesiastes the end of someone's life. You have Solomon, he was the wisest man in the world. He would have people visit him from around the world and ask him questions. He knew more than anyone. He was the richest man in the world. He created ships. He had a great gold supply. He had everything. And yet, at the end of his life, he declares, It's all worthless. Solomon tried to create his own meadows. And it left him empty. We do this in our own life because, well, we're impatient sheep. I want what I want right now. But we forget that we're on a journey here. And to get to the next desti- to our destination, we have to move forward to the next meadows that our shepherd creates for us. H- how many of you guys fly a lot? I, I'm on a plane, I can't tell you how many times a year, from one place to another. I like to take direct flights if at all possible, mainly because I'm impatient. I will pay extra not to have to sit in an airport for hours. You see, Tom wants to get where he's going from where he is right now in the shortest amount of time possible. I don't like to waste my time. I like to achieve my goal. And yet, that's not always possible. Uh, Missy and I were up in Maine this summer visiting her family, and we took some time and went to Acadia National Park. Beautiful. Ever get a chance? Go. It's wonderful. And we were doing a lot of hiking, and we were staying out in this bed and breakfast, or excuse me, Airbnb on a peninsula. And they have a saying in Maine uh, that I never quite understood until this past summer. Missy, what's the saying? You can't get there from here. (laughs) Trust me, Maine has a fun, non-attractive accent. I'll say that. (laughs) But, I never quite understood what it meant until the summer. Because there were many times we wanted to go somewhere, and we could see it across the bay, but we couldn't just go there. You had to backtrack. You had to go three or four different places before you could get there from here. There are many times I can't get a direct flight to where I want to go, and so I have a choice. I can get frustrated. I can get upset. I can pace around. Or I can enjoy the extra moments of rest along the way. I wish I could tell you that I'm always like, yes, extra rest. I'm not. But I'm trying to be better about it. We need to value the rest that the Lord brings us into. Whether we want it or not. The second reason that a lot of us struggle to rest, this one's a big one, we don't recognize the meadow because it looks like a storm we don't recognize the meadow because it looks like a storm I love Jesus okay I know his ways are much better than my ways but there are some of Jesus teachings and stories that they offend my type 8 and type 1 personality and I read these stories and what he says, and many times I'm like, why did he do that? Why did he say these things? It's not logical to me. And whenever I think this, the Lord uh, reminds me of what he said to Peter. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. Hopefully he leaves off the part, get away from me saying, that would make me happy too. One of these stories that bothers me the most is when Jesus calms the storm. You can find this story in Matthew, Mark, Luke. Tonight we're going to kind of look at the story that's found in Luke 4, or excuse me, Mark 4. See, Jesus and his disciples, they've been teaching all day long. And when evening comes, Jesus decides that they're going to go the other side of the lake so that at that point they take their boats and they head off mark tells us that soon after they left a fierce storm came up and high waves were breaking into the boat and the boat began to fill with water i here's the thing understand something about the sea of Galilee. it's not a little pond okay this thing is 13 miles long Seven and a half miles wide at its widest point. It's 210 meters below sea level. It's one of the lowest lying bodies of water on Earth. It's surrounded by high hills and mountains, kind of making it one big wind tunnel, causing the squall effects without warning. The danger was real. They potentially could have drowned and what do we see Jesus doing he's resting he's sleeping and the disciples wake him up shouting teacher don't you care that we're going to drown I'm gonna be honest I'm with the disciples on this one this is the part of the story that bothers my human nature The storm is going on all around us. We could all die, or at least us. God seems to like you. And you're sitting there sleeping. Shouldn't you be up doing something? Something that I can see? Shouting with us? Here's some... Actually, I'm going to give you two. Here's two things you need to know about Jesus in the storm. First, if we are waiting or expecting Jesus to jump up and panic with us in the middle of the storm, we're going to be waiting a long time. The shepherd doesn't panic. He doesn't worry. I think many of us, even in our prayer time, we want Jesus to react the way we do and maybe freak out a little bit. When the disciples asked Jesus if he cared that they were going to drown, in essence, they were praying to him in that moment. They want him to jump up. They wanted him to do something that they could see. They want him to worry with them. But the Son of God will never worry or panic in the storm because he sees it for what it is an opportunity to rest, a green meadow. See, it's here that we see a great example of the peace that passes all understanding that God wants us to have. It's crazy to the rest of the world, but the meadow, our rest, can come in the middle of a storm. And so the disciples, they wake Jesus up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And while it should be obvious, the second thing you need to know about Jesus in the storm is yes, He cares about us. I think we often struggle to rest because deep down we question whether or not Jesus cares. There's another story in the Bible about one person who, who rests, and another person who worked. And that's the story of Mary and Martha. Jesus and the disciples, they visit Martha's home, and she is busy running around preparing a big meal for Jesus. And her sister sits down. She rests at Jesus' feet and listens to Him. Martha's not pleased by this. She goes to Jesus and asks, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. In essence, Martha is asking Jesus, don't you care about me? You don't have to come help me make food, Jesus, but make someone think and act and behave like me if you care. And At that, Jesus gently hands Martha the truth in a cup of love when He responds to her and says, Dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all those details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. What's the one thing? It's resting in His presence. I'm just going to be straight with you, okay? Jesus caring for us has little to do with Him meeting our temporary needs. Do not misunderstand me. As we heard last week, God cares about every part of our lives. But His true expression of His caring for us is expressed through His willingness to spend time with us. He is God. He came off His throne in heaven to spend time with mankind. That's huge. And I think sometimes we forget the awe that we have and the right that we have to be in His presence. You see, Jesus... He wakes up. He rebukes the wind. He stills the waves. He meets their immediate needs. But that's not his biggest concern. He asks them a more long-term question that directly impacts their ability to rest. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? A couple weeks back, uh, our speaker Bethany mentioned a very important sheep fact. Sheep won't lay down if they're afraid. If they fear for their lives, sheep will endlessly wander around buying all the time, unable to rest. It's only when they're secure do they feel comfortable enough to lay down. The same is true of you and I the more we worry and the more we are afraid, the less we can rest. And the key to resting is found in Jesus' second part of that question. Do you still have no faith? Our faith or our trust needs to be based in one important truth. The shepherd... Rests with us. See, when you read the words, He makes me lie down, it infers a sheep laying down and snuggling up to the shepherd. In the story of the good shepherd that we talked about at the beginning of the year, the shepherd becomes the gate of the sheepfold. He lays down on the ground that he's cleared, he rests and the sheep come to Him and rest with Him. God doesn't walk away when we lay down. He lies down with us. Every moment we enjoy in life, every green pasture is possible because the Lord has prepared a place so that we could lie down with Him. See, David's understanding of God's identity is enough, even though his life was a little rough. It was enough to make his soul align with hope, even when hope wasn't easily seen. David had hope in the storm, folks. If you go on to the next part of that, ver- that verse, verse 3, the next verse talks about peaceful and still waters. That's the condition of David's heart because he understands God. Don't misunderstand me. Resting in God doesn't mean we ignore what's going on today. It sees beyond today. We choose to lie down even though the world tells us to go on because we can't afford to go on apart from the shepherd if the shepherd's laying down we need to be with the shepherd when work is crazy when the pressure of classes build when relationships seem close to breaking We can rest knowing that there has never been a day that God has abandoned us. We rest when we don't know what the future holds because we know the One who does. And so, we're going to switch gears a little bit here. We're going to go more practical. Okay? How, Tom? These are great little things you've said. How do I Sabbath in the midst of busyness? Tom, I'm busy. I can't just take a week to go meditate somewhere. I get it. Folks, I get it. You are busy. Cool. Guess what? Your life is going to get busier. It just is a fact. I run a ministry. I'm the National Feed One director for Chi Alpha and Convoy. We have Feed One month nationally. That's been taking up a bit of my time. I'm the district Chi Alpha rep for Chi Alpha in northern Missouri. I have staff meetings. I have one-on-ones. I have leadership meetings. Not to mention I have a wife and a very energetic five-year-old daughter. All day, every day, rinse, repeat, let's do it again. Still got to rest. And don't misunderstand the words I'm about to say because someone's going to take it and I know where you're going to go. So listen to what I'm going to say, all right? I encourage everyone to go on Sabbath retreats. We do these retreats in Chi Alpha. I think they're very refreshing to get away and just hang with the Lord and with each other. Important to do. I encourage you to come to service. If I didn't, why are we having service? There's value to come together. That being said, I don't think Sabbath, at least now in the New Testament, should be limited to one designated day of the week. You see, Jesus is our Sabbath rest in the chaos of life. And Jesus has given us both, has given us the privilege to experience his power and his presence on a daily basis if we choose to the most practical way I can tell you to rest in the Lord seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit I know some. Are, okay here's the thing it's a gift from God period just like salvation is a gift from God It is your choice to accept it or not. I recommend it. It works out pretty good. Any gift that you get from God, you should want. It's still up to you. Will you go to heaven if you're not baptized in the Lord's? Yes. Okay, let's just clear any of that up. It's not about barely getting in. It's being used by God. It's about being in His presence in a way like you never have before. The Lord gives us a ton of resources here's a big resource if you don't use it it doesn't do anything okay he has given us the opportunity to experience his presence in this generation like never before stop wasting it what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit the same spirit that empowered and strengthened jesus so that jesus could be in a right close relationship with his father well jesus went back to heaven maybe i'll give everyone the holy spirit use it seek his presence ask him for more guess what god's pretty generous he will hook you up See, Jesus was able to rest in the storm because he was constantly connecting with the Father. Constantly reorienting himself to God's will. We can do that in our own lives too. I'm going to be straight. This is not something I'm particularly good at. I had to call some friends and ask them what they do on a daily basis to help throughout the day, reoriented their lives to focus on the Lord. I don't do great. I'm trying. Just letting you know. Here are some suggestions that they had. And I'm going to go along with a few of these pretty well, too. Start your day off full. If it means waking up 30 minutes early, it means waking up 30 minutes early. What you value is what you'll do. I get tired of people telling me, I value God, but I don't have time. Eh, whatever. Get up. Have some quiet time with the Lord. Read His Word. Be quiet. And allow Him to speak. Listen so that you have a direction to go before the day even starts. I used to have a staff member back in the day that he insisted on doing his devotional time at night. Well, it's quiet. It's better this way. And I let him do it for a while. And then I finally dug my feet in and I'm like, I'll say it It doesn't matter. He, He doesn't care. James, I don't need you full at the end of the day. I need you full at the start. I don't need you full after you've met with all these people. I need you going into it full and prepared for what he has. he did change eventually <laughs> little thing but y'all drive places you ride the bus to campus turn off the radio for a few minutes turn off the noise I'm not saying you have to do it every single time but take advantage of those spaces that we have in our life. Even in worship, I've, I've been honest with Julie at response time, there are times I won't let them sing because I don't want you guys to sing. I don't mind the music, the ambient noise. I want you to listen. And usually when we're talking, we stop listening. And so, if you're driving, take a few minutes and just let the Lord speak. Throughout your day, you'll have some natural transitions. You know, gaps in between tasks. Uh, There are a lot of you that you walk from class to class. Instead of playing music, take a couple minutes and just talk to God. Have a conversation about class. Have a conversation about life. Uh, For me, I I have a few minutes. Try to. I try to put a few minutes in between my one-on-ones so that I can talk to God specifically about the one-on-one I'm going to have. Maybe give ask Him for some insight and some help. I'm going to be honest with you. Students need to hear the Holy Spirit more than they need to hear me talk. But I have to be listening to them. This sounds a little cheesy, but just hang with me. Pray before your meals. And not just the quick, you know, Lord bless this food, amen. But take a minute and truly thank Him for His provision. That God cared enough for you to put you in a place in the world where you do have the privilege to eat. We're in feed one month. We're feeding kids who have not been blessed in the same way we have recognize the lord's provision in our lives uh this one might not super apply to you this is kind of what one of my you know a few people said I need to get better at this and it will apply to you in the future so kind of bank it before pray before you go home from work here's the thing you need to take stock of your day look at what you've done and then leave it at the office. I'm horrible at doing this. Many times I come home and I talk and I work and continue to work. But here's the thing. God wants to be part of our families too. He has given me the privilege to be a dad and a husband. And I need to respect that. And honestly, at the end of your day, after you've worked hard, you've been up for quite a while, I think that's when we are most tired. And when we're most tired, we become more self-reliant instead of God-reliant. We become more selfish. And it's probably when we need God the most so we can battle who we are. Another suggestion I got was, you know, you know it sounds a little bit like a kid and stuff, but uh, pray before bed. But specifically, ask God to remind you who you are. That none of your behaviors, none of our behaviors, has changed God's love for me. Once again, God's love isn't based on my productivity. Can't buy his love, we can't earn his love. Are there things we're supposed to do? Yes, but the love never changes from the Lord. Tomorrow is another opportunity to work with and to rest in Jesus. A few other things. Uh, one a man I really respect, Savo, he's the national. Uh, Chi Alpha International Director. He reads through, if he has some time, he'll uh, read through the, the Lord's Prayer and ask God to meet those different parts of his life. He will take a walk at lunchtime just to spend some time with the Lord. It's a lot of prayer, but that's how we communicate with Jesus. See, our rest isn't in a thing. Our rest isn't in not doing something. Our rest is in a person. Jesus gives us the freedom to rest in unlikely places. Like a storm. Like the busyness of life. And when life is, and when life is hectic, when, quite honestly, we're surrounded by unknowns and we have a reason to be afraid, we still have the freedom to rest in God's presence because we're His children. Don't miss that opportunity. Don't waste that resource of resting and being refreshed by Him. Okay? Okay? I want you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. First off, there may be someone here tonight that you don't feel like you have rest. Maybe you're a little like King Solomon. That you are trying to create your own meadows. You're trying to work and build and make something happen, and yet, quite honestly, it leaves you empty.